What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Hi, this is Bo Bridges and you're listening to TV Confidential. There is nothing wrong with your television set. Do not attempt to adjust the picture. We are controlling transmission. If we Ed Roberts with a reminder that Rich Little will join us later on in the hour. We, we hope to stay to tuned for that. In the meantime, Greg Airbar is with us as we continue we our DVD and streaming we report. Our first segment, we talked about the DVD release of Dusty's Trail, the Gilligan's Island-like show that aired in the early 1970s. Uh, for this segment, Greg and I are going to go back a decade further or earlier, I should say, and talk about... The Outer Limits. There's nothing wrong with your radio or podcast or phone or computer. We control the transmission. We control the downloads. We control the apps. We can make it crystal clarity. For the next 60 minutes, we will have either a good episode or one from the second season that might be a good episode. Yeah, I was going to say, Outer Limits was... It was a show done in the tradition of the Twilight Zone in that it was um, not quite paranormal, not quite horror, but it was sort of, it, it, would, it would have an alternate take on the occult or the macabre, but also have something to say about contemporary society. Uh, Leslie Stevens, I think, was... not not no, Yes. Not, yeah, okay. Okay, it was Leslie, Leslie Stevens. Leslie Stevens, okay. And I believe Joseph Stefano was part of the... Yes. Okay, all right. I'm go, I'm, I am going off memory, so... Um, well, that's great. That's good. And it was actually sort of a, a co-production with him and also Dominic Frontieri, who did the music in the first season. Okay, and as I recall... Uh, it ran one full season on ABC, and then the second year was a half season. It was canceled in January, and as I recall, the first season much better than the second season. Yes, first season ranges from fantastic to pretty good. Second season runs from that was really good for the second season to <laughs> oh boy. No wonder they, they, they just didn't give them enough budget or, boy, I'll tell you, um, golly, in the second season. But don't sell the second season short because it's definitely worth seeing. And they are both available now in crystal clarity, to quote Vic Perrin in the opening titles, on Blu-ray from Kino Lorber. And Kino Lorber, I want to tell you, folks, they know how to put Blu-rays because uh, this is this was released earlier on, on uh, DVD and there were a lot of special uh, features, but this has even more of them uh, that were added. It is chock-a-block full of commentaries. Uh, almost every episode has a commentary. Some have two. Uh, there's very few episodes that don't. You get so spoiled, you're like, 
hey, this was a good episode. Why wasn't there a commentary? I mean, you actually get indignant if there's no commentary after a while. They're, they're so good. And the people that they choose for the commentary have come from a wide variety of disciplines. And uh, there's, a, there's a musicologist, a professor of musicology, who talks in depth about the instrumentation, the cues, the, the composition. She wrote a book, uh, Reba Wisner is her name. She wrote a book about, um, about the Outer Limits music, about music, all kinds of different kinds of music, of different uh, pop culture attitudes and things. Uh, David, um, I can't remember if I can pronounce his name, right? Sko or Skow. He wrote an Outer Limits uh, compendium that um, I wish would be reprinted and updated. It's difficult to find now. A lot of these Outer Limits books are out of print. Uh, and then there's a few, there's a few others um, who, uh, uh, Craig Beam, uh, another one who had a podcast. Uh, I think David Gerani is another person who wrote a book called Fantastic Television, which many of us had on our shelf since we were or, in high school. Or Gary Gerani. Gary Gerani, thank you. Right. You probably have that book too. <laughs> well, I not only I not only have the book. That's that book survived the purge. That book will remain on site for when I do conversation yeah. with you but no gary has been a guest on our program twice and he's working on and, an excellent uh, biography of billy goldenberg that i can't um a documentary on billy goldenberg that i can't wait for him to release we'll see that there you go so they're all very knowledgeable um if the episode is not as good as another episode sometimes the the commentary is a little bit funny yeah <laughs> uh, i i would suggest and i really do recommend the second season uh as well it's a separate um, box set but I do recommend it because there are some truly outstanding episodes. We, we could, and there's some that are. Uh, I'm not going to say so bad. They're they're good. Uh, I'll just say that if you've ever seen, I don't know if you've ever seen William Shatner overact and chew the scenery before, but <laughs> but, you, <laughs> but uh, if you. If, but in the episode "Cold Hands, Warm Heart," I don't think he ever reached the 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 peak. When is when he is going out of his mind with horror at the cute little puppet that's terrorizing him from deep space, um, it, and it's a, just a cute little puppet just bouncing around there. It looks like you know Bertilstrom made it, and and because there was just no money for these things. Yeah. And William Shatner is going into just apoplexy. Uh, it's 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 just it's priceless. Yeah. Greg <laughs> <laughs> Airbar is with us. We're talking about the Blu-ray release of The Outer Limits, seasons one and season two of The Outer Limits, available now on Blu-ray through Kino Lorber. There are four Outer Limits that immediately pop into my head, and I'm going off memory here. There's the premiere show, whose name I forget, but Jacqueline Scott and Cliff Robertson, I believe, were the stars of that. There's arguably the most famous episode, which is The Sixth Finger with David McCallum, where he plays um, the quote-unquote monster of the week that has six fingers. Uh, he's an alien from outer... Yes. Um, Your ignorance makes me ill. Yes. There's the Xanti Misfits, which is a work of art in stop-motion animation, if I remember correctly. Michael Tolan is the star of, of that one. And then 
there's a show, a black comedy with Carol O'Connor and Barry Morris called Controlled Experiment, which is which is an, an unusual Outer Limits in that it was actually it was a it, it is the funniest. It was and it was intended as a black comedy um, yes. versus a horror macabre type of show. And I believe it was yes. the only episode that did not have a quote-unquote monster of the week. Well, yeah, and that was a pilot for a possible series as well. I can see why. Uh, where? Yeah, and that was what they call a bottle show. They did a lot of bottle shows. Those are shows that uh, they have to keep the, the price down and stay mostly inside on the set. Uh, and they made a lot of use of reverse uh, film so that they could save money. So they repeat scenes like Sesame Street used to do, and that also features the the lovely um, Grace Lee Whitney. Uh, Grace Lee Whitney, yes, yeah. So that that is a very funny episode, uh, indeed. Uh, that's a good one. Um, the Galaxy Being is the pilot episode with Cliff Robertson. Thank you. And you you that's another reason to get Volume Two because Volume Two has the pilot as shot. Oh. Uh, well, not a shot, but as as they as they presented it to ABC. And here's a little clever bit uh, that I learned from the commentary. They deliberately cut about six minutes out of the pilot film uh, from 51 minutes to 46 minutes, so it would the pace would would be faster. So they actually the the, the beginning with a lot of dialogue, even though it was important dialogue, they wanted the ABC executives to say. Gee, that that moved a lot faster than we thought it would. Well, it was because they cut six minutes out, so they they did it. They also talk a lot about uh, how they did those effects, and there's interviews that they had run on TNT when they were uh, doing it with Cliff Robertson and with uh, several of the other actors who appeared in the episodes. There are so many Architects of Fear with Robert Culp's another very famous one where. He's transformed by Violet Beauregard's father from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, uh, the wonderful Leonard Stone, into a uh, outer space creature. Um, the Man Who Was Never Born is another extremely well-regarded one, where Martin Lando um, plays a, uh, a, a being from the future who, come, it's a lot of dystopian stories, comes back, but he is able to turn himself into Martin Lando so that he can... Uh, try to save the world from this person um, who is going to turn it into this dystopian future. It's it's a very beautifully done story. Uh, that's with Shirley Knight, a very good actress. Um, Obit was one of my favorites. That's not as well known. That's with Peter Breck from our show, The Big Valley, we talked about. He plays a government uh, lawyer. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere Thursday at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Outer Limits is a anthology show during the time when anthology shows were still very popular. And, you know, one of the fun things about watching a show like The Outer Limits today is um, you have all these great guest stars. Um, yes from movies and television, either when they were at the height of their popularity or just before they became well-known. I mean, Cliff Robertson was still doing television in 1964, um, even though he had made some theatrical motion pictures, uh, PT-109 most notably, and then he was a couple of years away from winning the Oscar. That's right. uh, When he played Charlie. But anthology shows, we've said this before, were great for actors at the time because you needed a new cast every week. So it was, if you're a working actor, whether you, you know, uh, whether you're a Leonard Stone, it was an opportunity for both character actors and lead actors every week because you needed, you needed a new cast every week. And in the case of character actors, sometimes you might appear twice on a show like Outer Limits, depending on what the needs of the director and the producers were at the time. One of the things that, they felt um, hurt at her limits among the fact that it was, it, it, it strove for a, a higher level of intensity than TV really was, or network TV was looking for, right. uh, was that it was an anthology and the trend was moving away from anthologies and more with the same characters every week, maybe meeting different characters. And there was a lot of talk about what if they had the same character every week encountering some phenomena? And it immediately made me think of the invaders and in its second season, how they did that. Yeah. They thought, Oh, well he's in a different location every time. Now let's give him the same people every week. And that would not have solved it. You know, it, the networks never quite know what to do with sci-fi fantasy. They're never totally comfortable with it. Historically, it delves into areas and thought and stuff that is a little too pithy. It doesn't explain everything. It doesn't answer all the questions. And but it's so it's so much more bold and interesting. And the attempts are so fascinating. And Outer Limits, perhaps more than Outer Limits and Twilight Zone, but Outer Limits, as you'll hear on these commentaries, doesn't get nearly the credit, and in some ways deserves it more some ways because it was leaned more on sci-fi outer space um more on the spectacle on the monsters on the which the network insisted on yes um they called them the bear a lot of movies owe much more a lot of today's entertainment owes much more to the outer limits and almost every episode you'll say this is just like this this is just like that okay the pace is different the acting style is different but so many of the ideas and theories are like this. And again, going back to the second season, maybe there were issues beyond their control, even though they were controlling our televisions. They they were trying in that second season to go back into literature 
and into science fiction short stories and books because those ideas were rarely explored mm -hmm. because 50 it was it looked like 50s fiction you know with the the corny kind of effects and spaceships and monsters because that's all they were capable of doing especially when they had six days to do a show mm -hmm. six days yeah you know um you're talking about and and these were the same people with a little more time that did extraordinary things in some movies you know this is this is project unlimited this is Wah chang and gene warren and all of these these luminaries of special effects that did george powell movies mm -hmm. and did and did extraordinary work when they had the time and yeah. the budget yeah. and they had six days you know they take a they take you know gloves and make a monster and glue them together and go ooh that's what they had that's what they did you know that that's that's tv that's and then a few years later did the land of the lost uh animation which was very good animation but it was limited they had to do what they had to do and the show looked the way it looked because it it was a saturday morning show right but same people you know and you got to look at the work and how good it was you know, and and, and Wa Chang designed the the phaser on Star Trek and designed the and and the uh, the Romulan ship. So these are these are talents beyond. And the and speaking of Star Trek, uh, more than once they mentioned how Gene Roddenberry hung around on the lot and hung around on the sets and watched the rushes and was on the phone a lot. They used that phrase. He was on the phone a lot. <laughs> um, the, the, one of the people on the staff, um, the Robert Justman ended up working on Star Trek. Mm -hmm. There are more than a few examples of how Star Trek took what they did. And a few years later, they had flowers with spores and them. they had did a lot of stories it's so much that that's a crime it's that that's what you do in storytelling yeah. you know, they used to pass stories along they take an idea and they elaborate on it they twist it they turn it now there was there was one instance where there was a lawsuit um harlan ellison who is a renowned uh, writer and also a very colorful uh, personality uh, sued james cameron because there are two episodes, at least, maybe three, but one in particular, and this is a second season episode too, the uh, Demon with a Glass Hand. That's with um, Robert Culp as well. And that is a beautifully shot episode, and that's an example of how when you've got no money, you find a great location, which is the Bradbury Building in downtown Los Angeles, which still has tours, and you shoot it like a film noir, uh, which the first season was almost always shot, like mm -hmm. film noir, because mm -hmm. they had these great directors and lighting people. Um, and they mentioned it over and over again. Uh, one, uh, one in particular, Gern, Gerd Oswald, who's a German director, and um, the director of photography, uh, they, they talk a lot about, but they don't talk about the second season one as much. Kenneth Peach, they talk about Kenneth Peach. He was good, but he wasn't as good as the other guy. I will point out something about Kenneth Peach that they don't talk about. And that was that he was the director of photography for H.R. stuff. Thank you very much. Well, let's get back to Demon with a Glass Hand. That episode is very, very, very much like The Terminator. And it also, a couple of other episodes like um, the, uh, the Man Who Was Never Born. Were, and apparently in an interview in a magazine, James Cameron kind of admitted that. So he took him to court 
And I think he had his name, Carl Nelson had his name put on the videos of Terminator, and he got some kind of a paltry settlement. But it was admitted. But, you know, you could go back to a lot of anthology television. You could go back to radio shows like Escape and Suspense and um, Zero and a lot of those shows, and you will say, wow, this is so-and-so. This is this movie I just saw that was three and a half hours long. I just heard it on this 20-minute show. That's what Outer Limits is, more than anything else. Um, that's what it is. Particular favorites were Obit, which was about Alexa. that's all i'm gonna say and okay and 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 we should point out we are talking about the original outer limits that aired on abc between the fall of 63 to january 65 uh showtime brought back the outer limits about 30 years later if i recall it had that's correct it had a slightly longer run to it um i believe in some cases they uh reshot some of the original abc shows but they wrote and produced many original shows in the vein of the original series but that's uh that that would be a whole separate conversation we're talking about the original outer limits from 63 to 65 which is now available on Blu-ray through our friends at Kino Lorber, and as Greg mentioned, almost every episode has commentary from experts such as our pal Gary Girani, which enhances your viewing pleasure. So besides the 30, 40 episodes, you've got that many more hours of extra commentaries that you can enjoy. And as Greg mentioned, Kino Lorber, they really do a good job of packaging classic shows and adding extra features to really really um give you bang for your buck i would think any any home video company would be wise to follow their lead because with the with streaming you don't get that yeah so the way you're going to get uh you're going to get people buying these things is to give them something they can't have and Mm -hmm. one is that you can own it you can watch it whenever you want you know not every we don't subscribe to absolutely every streaming service and that's one reason to get it um, and the other reason is you want these extras and it's not, there's much more than the commentaries too. Yeah. There's a tour of project unlimited, which, wow. Um, there's a lot of, uh, promos. There's a, um, <laughs> there's an Edie Adams clip where she's singing about the new shows on 1963. And one of them's at her limits there's the most unbelievable things uh, on this and that, uh, most of those are also on season two. So you're going to say, well, I don't know if I want the one with the 2D monster and all that. Uh, well, maybe you don't, but you're going to get an awful lot on season two as well as season one. Season one, I also also want to point out one of my other favorites is the one with the bullet, the Bellero shield uh, with Martin Lando and Sally Kellerman. She is she's so good. And, and, and also the very first film appearance of Cheetah Rivera. Uh, in, in that episode, that is a really good episode with kind of a shocking ending. Beautifully, oh, and Neil Hamilton, beautifully performed by all of them. Um, excellent, excellent show. It's pretty darn good television. And and if you just let yourself say, don't don't sit back and go like, oh, this is so, you know, these effects are so, you know, how many how many movies do you see where the effects are fantastic, but the story's not all that riveting, yeah. or the performances are, yeah. So uh, let. let that just lie aside for a second. Just look at the content itself. 
enjoy that. Okay, and and to clarify, season one of Outer Limits and season two of Outer Limits, two separate Blu-ray releases from Kino Lord. Yes, indeed. All right. Yes. But most of the special uh, things, like the, the original pilot, and then there's also an alternate version, one of the very last, another David McCaffrey. Um, I can't. The title is like it's. Um, it was in the last in the last the last part of the first season, but it was actually shot as, as the form of things unknown was shot as a, uh, a pilot for a series called Unknown yeah. that didn't sell, and there were different scenes in it, and they changed it from a science fiction story to a suspense story, and because of those scenes, it kind of changes in the end. So you don't get that unless you use them too. So that's kind of, and that's also like a movie. These, the, a lot of these episodes are shot. I know we say that a lot with with shows like, oh, it's like a mini movie, but these really were done by these these people who craft. They really worked hard to craft these things to look very much like the fifties, like the spot, the, the 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 crime movies. Only they had a science fiction. So what we might say about the effects or the monsters looking the way they did. When you see the galaxy being moving through the city, that could be, uh, you know, a Philip Marlowe movie as well. It's just that it's a it's a creature from outer space moving through a town. That was the effect they were going for, and they really did succeed at that. Season one and season two of the Outer Limits, the ABC series from 1963 through early 1965. Season one, season two, available separately. Through on Blu-ray through our friends at Kino Lorber. You can read Greg Airbar twice a month, cartoonresearch.com. Greg, we'll see you again soon. Thank you very much, Ed. Rich Little will join us when we come back on TV Confidential. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at tvconfidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer, 
or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.